How much potential do you have within you? Would you like to unleash it, to unlock it, and access it, and actualize it in your life? Well, just as it is with the atom and subatomic particles, they have tremendous amount of energy, but it's so concentrated, literally in every fiber of existence, that we have no awareness and can't even fathom its sheer power. So too, you have subatomic nuclear, enormous energy locked in your superconscious. And there are methods of how to unlock it and unleash it and channel it into your life. Please join me in part four of our special series, How Consciousness is Born, Six Steps from the Quantum Superconscious to the Conscious, and discover six ways and six steps and methods to unleash those six stages of our superconscious. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and thank you for joining me in part four of our special series, How Consciousness is Born. Six Steps from the Quantum Superconscious to the Conscious. In this part, we will be discussing six methods of unleashing the six dimensions of our superconscious. This program is dedicated by Judy Kirk in honor of Ashley Rose, Danielle, Richard and Abe Kirk's birthdays. In the previous three parts of this series, we discussed in part one the actual six steps based on a text from Rab Moshe Koreviro, the great 16th century mystic, in his classic magnum opus, The Pardes Orchard, where he spells out literally the six steps of the evolution and metamorphosis from, we'll call it nothingness, from non-existence, from the superconscious, all the way till the birth of consciousness. Then we discussed about the different experiences in life, the traumas, the pains, the losses that impact our superconscious and sometimes make it more difficult because of its toxic and polluting nature to access those inner forces. And in the last week, in the last third part of this series, we discussed, began to discuss the methods of how we weed the garden, but also draw out its flowers, which means how to access these deeper states of superconscious to channel them into our conscious lives and in effect also neutralizing and actually harnessing even the negative influences that we may have assumed through our formative years or throughout our lifetimes. In this part, we're going to actually go through the six steps themselves and how each one 
is accessible and can actually be channeled into our lives. With the important qualification that I pointed out, it's not always necessary to go into the superconscious to live a healthy life, just like it's not always necessary to perform surgery. Now, I wouldn't equate exactly the two because this isn't surgery, but it is entering into deeper zones. So I would say every person needs to enter it to some extent, but sometimes due to different experiences in life, we may need to go deeper, all the way to the beginning of it all. And the analogy I've been using was just simply to make it more palpable and um, more relatable, was the development of the fetus through pregnancy, where it begins with a one cell conceived by a fertilized egg. That one cell then splits and splits again and again until it develops in the first trimester, in the second trimester, in the third trimester, literally stages of development into a full, healthy organism called a human being. And then begins birth. Equally, or similarly, the development from the superconscious, which we'll call the pregnancy stage, until it gets into the conscious, which is the birth stage, the birth of consciousness, the child that emerges, and we're aware of, and we can see it's no longer hidden within the womb and, and included within the womb of the mother. So the same thing, there are these stages. And you probably can even equate these six steps to the, the six steps through the three trimesters. Interesting is three trimesters, three times two is six. But that's not the subject that we're going to address. Now let's discuss what those six are, and then we'll translate them into a language that you and I can use tools in our conscious world to access that superconscious state. So the six steps, briefly again, is the first moment of conception, one cell, in the example that we're using. What is it in the superconscious state? Keser, which is the Kabbalistic name for that superconscious state. Keser begins with something, something emerged. But you can't call it, as the Pardis writes, you can't even call it something you can define. Just like at the moment of conception. It's almost as if it doesn't exist. But it does exist because something was conceived. Step two is it begins to take on some form of revelation, some expression. Remember, it's in a superconscious state. Consciousness has not yet become something that you and I are aware of. But within the superconscious state, it's now taken on some type of expression. In the context of a fetus, the fetus after the cell splits a few times, so then it starts something, something of substance is beginning to develop. Stage three is where consciousness is now become an entity. Consciousness in this context of Kesser is superconscious, consciousness is Chochmah. So it's some type of a defined, we call a defined sphere, a defined entity. But it's not just step two, which is just revealed, something is substance, it's now become something that you can call an entity. To use the expression straight from the Pardis, let's look inside the actual text. And I'm looking at his gate five, chapter five, as we read it then. So he uses these terms, he uses these words. In the third step, he's talking about in the Hebrew, 
in the, I'm, I'm going to actually translate from the Hebrew. First step, he says, is it's so concealed, as if it doesn't exist. Second step, it's revealed, and, and something has taken hold. Third step, this means that now it's revealed to the point where you can start speaking about that it will ultimately develop into its own entity, like a child separate from the mother. It's not close to there yet, but it's come to that stage in the context of conscious and superconscious. The consciousness has now taken on shape within the superconscious womb, so to speak. Okay, then comes step four. The next three steps, the first three steps are all about its own development. Then comes how it's going to be able to interact. Remember, an organism is never one cell, it's never one limb, it's never one entity. It's made up of a multitude. Look at the human being. We have trillions of cells and so many systems. So what you have to have for it to be a viable reality for it to be a viable, we need the next three steps. And these, these three steps go like this. The fourth step is the, the, that it has the ability that will, that to be able to contain and relate to other aspects. In other words, it's not just a consciousness of its own, or in the case of a child, it's not just one organ or one limb. They have to be able to interact with all the others that will develop. And to, and to contain and to um, re- receive, which means interact and be coordinated with them. Step five, the power to actually emanate and emit energy into all the details. That's step five. Because in step four, you still could say, okay, you can contain it all, but you still need another uh, charge, so to speak, another f- surge to allow it to actually develop into all of the entire organism or the entire consciousness. And step six is now it's ready to be born. Everything is ready. And then comes, of course, the birth itself. So now, in context of our accessing these levels, so I began to explain in part three, and I want to elaborate now. Now let's introduce the concept of transcendence and imminence. These are just translations of Kabbalistic terms which are sometimes referred to Soviv Kalalman or Mamala Kalalman. You may have heard those terms. Transcendence and imminence. The difference is, imminence is refers to an energy, a consciousness that we can relate to. So is a is a is a, an, a um, experience that's beyond us. So, for example, when you say you have you have the power of vision in your eye, that's an imminent energy. Or another word for it is arpnimi, or consciousness. It's a conscious energy. You open your eyes, you can see. When you stand in awe of something that's beyond you, that's like a transcendent experience. So, in truth. In a way, superconsciousness is the ultimate transcendence. And consciousness is the ultimate imminence. And we want to bridge these two worlds. We don't just want to enter into a world, into the amorphous world of where it all began. We want to also 
relate to existence as we are right now. The born child. We don't just want to go back into the womb. We want the child or the adult to connect and integrate in a harmonious and seamless way our consciousness with our superconsciousness. But to do that, you need to understand the nature of superconscious. Superconscious, by nature, is something that you cannot have a hold on. That's precisely why it's transcendence. As soon as you control it or you own it, it's already now imminent. Think of an idea that you begin to study. And the first idea is above your head. And you realize it's something quite abstract and difficult. It could be frustrating, but it's necessary to know that it's above and beyond us. Then, as you process, as you make effort and you work on it diligently, you begin to understand the idea. So the idea is traveling from a transcendent state into an imminent state. And the same thing is from Kesa to Chachma, traveling from transcendence to imminence. Now the truth is we call it transcendence because it's beyond us. On the level of the superconscious, it's not transcendent at all. That's what it is. Its entity is something that is not defined by the structures and infrastructures and parameters of existence. So it's important to keep aware because we're so comfortable with our parameters, with our senses, with the things that we define, that we own, that we can contain. So when we hear about these levels, they become very mysterious. And we, the temptation is we want to bottle them and turn them into something that we can own. But that's not how it works. If you ever appreciate what true love is, what true awe is, what true reverence is, it's precisely its power is in its mystique. You don't want to demystify it. You want to embrace the mystique. But we have to always be careful because we always like to own things. And the greatest things in life are not commodities. That cannot be, they cannot be um, purchased. You can't go into a store and buy it. Like, for example, love, truth, transcendence. Anything that, is, uh, that matters, that is truly sublime, is something that has to emerge, and there's a process. It's not you can just purchase it. You can't just own it in that way. And you have to respect that it's something beyond you, and it's actually lifting you up. It's not I am understanding it. It is consuming me. I'm being submerged in that higher reality. That's what true higher consciousness or higher awareness is. Higher consciousness meaning where consciousness meets the superconscious. But because there are stages, it takes a process going from that most abstract first step all the way to the sixth step and then the birth of consciousness. So the question then would be posed is how do we experience transcendence in our lives? So before we go to that, let me break down now the six steps into two categories. I mentioned it earlier already. Category one is the first three steps. Category two is the next three steps. It's all in a transcendent and superconscious state. Let's make that clear. But within itself, that itself, like look at, look, at the, look at the pregnancy of a child. The early trimester, the first trimester, and you could even say the first months, I don't know exactly where it crosses over, but you don't yet even see a, a, develop, a child. You don't yet see an organism. You know the parts are there, but it's like a seed that's slowly beginning to sprout. The second half of the pregnancy, the child has developed. So the same is true in the superconscious. The first three steps are primarily transcendent 
without much tangible to hold on to. But in that itself, there are three steps. The next three is where the transcendent begins to engage with the imminent, but as imminence is within transcendence. Keep that in mind. And then comes the consciousness, the birth of consciousness, which is Chochmah. So all these three, six levels in the language we're using is the transcendent superconscious called Keser, and then the birthing after the six steps comes Chochmah. But there's the Chochmah within Keser. That's the way we put it. The, the, the consciousness within the superconscious, the imminent within the transcendent. So now that we know these two categories, we understand now that any good interface needs to go in a very phased and, and step-by-step process. You can't leap. Because if you leap, imagine a child can't just develop in a second. It takes nine months. You can't jump the process. You can't jumpstart it. Yes, today with certain technologies and science, the miracles of science, you, a child can, can emerge, you can give birth even in the seventh month or whatever the exact month is, and they could preserve the child. But we're talking about in a healthy process, you want to have the nine months of the incubation or gestation. And the same thing is in the superconscious, step by step. Remember that the superconscious in its pure form would completely overwhelm us. It would cause us to be mad because it's like the reservoir and beyond the reservoir of literally infinite energy. We are finite creatures. There's a very thin line between genius and madness, but you need the channel, as I explained in part one, like the faucet, to regulate the flow. But to regulate the flow needs to go through these six stages. Now, in context of our accessing it, so transcendence is accessed in two ways. One is through accepting something greater than yourself, like an accountability. Surrender is the right word, but surrender often is associated with negative things. Surrendering to an enemy, surrendering like weakness. But surrender means suspending yourself in the face of something greater. Because you can't experience transcendence as long as you're in your own comfort zone on your terms. Transcendence by definition means I look at a piece of art and I lose myself in it. I read a book and I get absorbed in it. I listen to music and I completely get submerged in experience beyond myself. So you need to be open to that. Basically, arrogance is the antithesis to that. When you're self-contained and you feel very comfortable with yourself and your self-interest, you're not open. You need to be an empty cup. So that's the first thing. In Hebrew, there's a word for it called kabbalat ol, accepting the yoke of heaven, accepting an authority greater than yourself, an accountability to something beyond yourself. The second way is through effort. Diligence, exertion. Just as it is, think of when you're trying to understand something. If you have a good mind, sometimes it comes easily. That's fine. But if you really want to get it, you really want to access the depth of something, you have to sweat. You have to perspire. I don't necessarily mean physically, even though that can be part of it as well. Great mystic Darizal, Isaac Luria, would sweat when he would study. Because that exertion is compared to, for example, striking a flintstone. When it comes to a hot coal, all you have to do is blow on it, fan it, and you get the fire out of there. But a flintstone, the sparks are so-called, I don't want to say trapped, but they're locked in there. The only way is to strike it hard. The example of that is the same thing here, that there's two ways to access the superconscious. One is by fanning the flame, which is some effort, 
But that's a lower level of superconscious. If you want to reach the deeper levels, you need exertion. Exertion is strong effort. And the way you could say they're interconnected, these two. Because getting out of your own comfort zone, suspending yourself, that requires effort. And effort, why should you make an effort? Because you want to reach something greater than yourself. So those are the two ways we reach into a transcendent state. And that is the antidote to any of the negative stuff that may have polluted that transcendent state or that superconsciousness as we've been referring to it. So if you want to tap the equivalent of tapping atomic energy or nuclear energy is what? Nuclear fission or fusion. So fission is when you split the atom with force and you break it apart. Fusion is when you bring it together. Now, we know most nuclear energy, if not all, is today is generated through, um, through fission, not through fusion. If they're able to figure out how to do fusion in an effective way, we wouldn't have the waste, because fusion is unifying. But right now it's through fission. I'm not going to go through that right now in this context, except to say that there are two ways to access the atom, or they'll call it the, the, the atomic and nuclear energy of our superconscious state, of our quantum-like superconscious state. And one is through fission, which is effort, exertion. You break yourself. It's like breaking something apart that causes that superconscious to open up. It would be like breaking through the faucet in order to get, generate more flow. But in a way that's still containable. If you break it in a way that assaults the psyche, it could also be destructive. So that's important to qualify. The second way would be through fusion. Fusion is a form of unity. When we allow ourselves to not be separate entities, when you experience love and unity with others, what does it do? It creates a harmony. Besides all the other benefits, it also feels like it, it feels good. You know we, all, we know, all, we all know how we feel when we have a conflict with someone. Even if we think we're right, it's not pleasant. You have to avoid them. It locks you up. It creates fear, unknowns. When you resolve, let's say, a conflict, you resolve it, a resolution. But a true resolution, there's a certain peace of mind. You sleep more peacefully. The same is true in this context. The, fu the, the fusion is that when you feel united with other people and connected with them, in other words, love, love all accesses the superconscious. It draws down its uh, beautiful energy. And that's why sometimes the superconscious is compared to water. Because it's like entering into water, a very sublime place, a very comfortable place. When you go into water, you feel submerged in something beyond you. So it's not a surprise that a fetus develops within the embryonic fluids. Because water represents superconsciousness. Land represents consciousness. Like the difference between thought and speech. But let's not digress. Let's go back to the point here. So what I've said so far is actually three things. One is the commitment, suspending yourself, accountability to something greater than yourself, to a cause that's beyond yourself. Second, exertion and effort. And third, love. So the exertion, you could say, is a little more like fission. And the love is like fusion. Now, they're not a contradiction, because all three join together to enter into that superconscious state. But remember, we want to bridge superconscious with conscious. So that's why we have another set of uh, tools, and those are our conscious tools, starting from Chachma, intelligence, that's our cognitive consciousness, 
then their emotional consciousness and our behavioral consciousness. Three general steps. So there you have, if you think about it, I just defined six steps. Transcendence through suspension of self to be included, encompassed in something greater. The exertion that we exert in order to access those deeper energies. Love and unity. And then come, on the conscious level, cognitive, emotional, and behavioral. What we discussed last week, the end of last, uh, the, in last, the third part of this series, the spa, the spiritual spa, study, prayer, action. Cognitive, emotional, and behavioral conditioning. But here's the key beautiful aspect. You want to bridge the two. Because you don't want to just live in the world of the mystique, of the transcendent. You want the, trans- the transcendent to permeate and to elevate your consciousness. So that's why you have all the six steps in the superconscious itself. As the superconscious develops into consciousness, it gets closer to something that we can relate to, to our cognitive, emotional, and behavioral. It's still not born yet. That's after the six steps. But within that Kessler level, you have the three times two steps, six steps. You have the very conception, which is the way to access that is pure, complete, we call in, in Hasidic terminology, bittel. Loss of self completely. Bittel b'mitzias. You don't even sense anything. Completely lose yourself. That is the ultimate way to get to the deepest, deepest level. Maybe I should have used that as the last step because we're going from the bottom up. But I already mentioned it this way. It's the ultimate being absorbed in something beyond yourself. Where there's no self-consciousness at all. You're completely... That is why it's so powerful. And it's the ultimate transformation. You lose yourself. You lose your depression. You lose your sadness. You lose your trauma. You lose all the negatives. Even the positives. You're just here to serve something beyond yourself. That's the highest level of transcendence. That's accessing step one in Kesser. It's like going back to the moment that you were conceived. The moment of the, of the Big Bang, if you wish. Where it all began. Big Bang, I mean in conception, not birth. Okay. Step two, the transcendence is starting to take some shape. Which means it doesn't remain completely there. Something, something is emerging. And where does is, where is that express itself? That expresses itself is that you're not just completely lost in it. You have some drop of awareness. So, so therefore, it's starting to enter into that awareness of your existence. Step three would be where the consciousness has developed into an entity. It's still part of the superconscious, but it's more definition and therefore more awareness on your part. But it's still all in a very, very sublime place. Now, the truth is, to really access each one of them, understand them well, we have to experiment with it. We have to experience it. But think of it as three steps in total surrender or total sublimation, almost total, and a little less so. Then comes the next, and that's where the imminence begins to take hold. So it's all the superconscious way. So when you're using your, conscious, your consciousness to access that, in the next steps, the next three steps, your consciousness is now more active. And what that means is, for example, you're studying something, so you don't just want to read it or study it 
on your terms. You want that study to be able to teach you something beyond yourself. So this is already where the superconscious is, is containing the consciousness. And step four, what do we say? That's where we're beginning to relate to in the superconscious state to other, to other entities. And the same thing is in our own beings, that you're not just being absorbed by something beyond you, you're actually, let's say, studying something, or you're feeling something. But that feeling is one that is not about you, but it's about something beyond you, but it is being accessed through your conscious faculties. So in, in step four, we're talking about the ability to contain others. Remember, we talked about love, that you contain others, other people, also within yourself, recognizing that this isn't just a solitary experience. It's one that will affect all of your faculties, your mind, your heart, your behavior, all your, all your resources and all your tools and attributes. Step five, we said, is the power to express itself. Because remember, we don't want transcendence to be a selfish experience. We want it to be something that actually transmits. If, for example, the development of... <coughs> excuse me. If, for example, the development of a child, the child's organs and limbs are developing, but they don't coordinate with each other, which is actually step four, that would be a problem. Step five is furthermore, not just to coordinate with each other, they have to actually ready to express themselves. One cannot suppress the other. For example, when you're taking a piece of food in your mouth, everything has to be coordinated. The windpipe closes up, the food pipe opens, the different valves, gauges, the whole process has to work properly. The same thing when you breathe. So there's, there's the coordination, there's the containment that each one is ready to accept the other, and then it's actually ready to give birth. But it's not yet the final, final step. And step six is where it's right the moment before birth. This is where imminence meets transcendence, where superconscious meets consciousness. And what is that in our personal work? It means the following, that you're now a fully conscious person, even though consciousness was not born in a way that we're conscious of, but in the transcendent, in the superconscious level it was born, meaning it didn't emerge, but it's completely developed, and you are accessing that. So what does that mean in practical terms? So remember, I used the three points before about transcendence. One is commitment to something greater than yourself. Two is exertion, effort. And three is love and connection, fusion. So in this context, it would be as follows. Step one, oh, let's go from the bottom up now. This will go from the bottom up. Step six is where the exertion, well, the commitment and the exertion and the love is connected to you. It's ready to, you are experiencing it. So you're, you're involved in this process, which is part of the whole integration. In other words, you're not completely lost in it. As you climb the ladder from step six all the way to step one, there's less you and more the higher reality. And that's why it's so eloquent to have these six steps. Because if you jump, you either lose yourself too quickly or it's too much of you. We need a combination of the two. We need an interface between your ego, your identity, yourself. And here ego, I don't mean arrogance, I mean self. And that which is beyond yourself. 
So therefore, the six steps within the superconscious allow for that. With the sixth step being the most of you, but it's still in a transcendent state. So I am experiencing transcendence. In that sense, you could say I'm experiencing. Fine, there's nothing wrong with having an I, as long as it's not selfishly directed, is directed to something greater. It would be like looking up and experiencing that awe. But you're not completely absorbed in it. So there's a consciousness that's looking into the superconscious, if you wish. And the same thing, you're exerting yourself, you're committing yourself, you're experiencing love, humility is another force that really goes together with these three steps, especially the first one. Commitment is humility. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate. There, the self is beginning to slowly melt away. But in a healthy way. You have to do it in a healthy way. What happens here? We're at a deeper level of bittal. And this bittal means that it's not so much me experiencing it now. Now it's me allowing the experience to speak on its own. An experience that encompasses everything because it's all about the expression of the entire entity. But it's not about me experiencing it. It's like the difference between saying, I understand, or the idea is understood. Is the, is the idea taking me, or I'm taking the idea? Am I absorbing the idea, or the idea is absorbing me? That's step five. Step four, we said before, is the ability that each part contains, is able to contain and include the others. So here, there's even less self. Here it's not even, you know, step five, it's true, it's not so much the I, but there's still you experiencing it. And here you want to let go of that. You want now the idea itself or the experience itself to become the main force. And then come the next three, which of course are the highest and most sublime. Where there, you're becoming more and more absorbed to the point of complete loss of self. So briefly, step three would be would be where um, there is a consciousness. So there is consciousness, but the consciousness is a complete extension of the superconscious. It hasn't yet in any way be relates to you anymore. So that's like in the case where a person is, um, is standing in awe, being absorbed by something beyond them, but it's not total sublimation. In step two, we get to the next step where Something has emerged. This is like the first step where you feel something within you, but you're almost completely lost in the process, in a good way lost. And step six is where there's the complete loss of self. All you are is a channel for that which is beyond you. Some people experience it in the deepest levels of intimacy. You can definitely define these six steps there, where there's the Bible puts it, Two human beings, man and woman, become one flesh. And there's a moment where they do not even can distinguish between one and the other. Either a moment of ecstasy, a moment of joy, a moment of deep connection. The connection is such that subject and object have melted into one. Now in intimacy, you could say it's easier to reach that level. But the goal is that we should be able to reach it even in a regular routine day, when necessary. I want to point out again, this doesn't mean you need to constantly go through all these six steps. They're there for our 
use, so to speak. It really comes down to first training yourself. And the hardest part is getting over from your ego, your arrogant ego, that self that defines us, that self that we feel is a contradiction to others, the competitive self, I mean, not healthy competition, the jealous self, the one that is all about self-absorption, insecurities, all that comes with self-consciousness. That's the challenge to get out of that mode. And once you enter into the mode of bittal, of sublimating yourself to something greater than yourself, then you have to figure out for yourself, each person, where these six steps are. And don't be in any way perturbed. Don't be in any way discouraged if you can't access these highest levels. It takes work. It takes training. It takes study. It takes conditioning. Yes, behavioral and emotional and cognitive conditioning to open ourselves up to superconscious states of awareness and higher reality. Just to finally conclude with one source, I've been teaching every day for many years now a uh, classic, maybe the most comprehensive and longest mystical text there is called Hemshech Ayim Beis. Ayim Beis refers to as, an, as short for 12, or 72, I should say. Because the year, the year 5672, which is corresponds to 1912, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, began delivering this tremendous discourse. And there he talks very extensively. I, I mentioned it, I think, in the beginning of part one of the series, where he speaks about these six steps, briefly at least. But in the big part of that magnum opus of his, of Hamshachayim Beis, he talks about the three stages in imminence, the spheres, there's three steps in the spheres, actually three translations, three dimensions. Sphere, spherot, come from the word number, which is the most tangible. The second is from the word sipur, narrative. So the numbers tell a story. Then the third is sapir, which means to illuminate, transparency. That's not just a narrative. It's actually becoming more transparent to reflect something greater than yourself going from imminence to transcendence. And then he goes on and says, and the same thing is in Kesser. In the transcendent, you also have three. You have the transcendent as it relates to the imminent, to the structure. You have the transcendent as it is on its own that doesn't relate to the imminent. And then you have the highest level that's completely beyond, transcending the transcendent. So what you have here, when you go to the Pardis's breakdown of the six, that actually in transcendence, you also have the, the first three, because you have the imminence within transcendence. So you have the first three, and then as you climb, you ultimately get to something that transcends transcendence, which teaches us a tremendous lesson, a critical lesson. Transcendence and imminence are not meant to be two worlds. People think that the only way to experience a higher experience, a higher awareness, is to separate ourselves, to disengage from life. Because the, the rush hour of, the wall, of Wall Street and the marketplace is not conducive, is completely antithetical with a spiritually deep experience. I have to go to the mountain, live a more ascetic lifestyle. So though there's a truth to that, there are times that you know, for you to concentrate on the deeper states of, of being, you can't be distracted by the phone or by, or by other externals, by, even by your senses. But the ultimate goal is not transcendence itself, it's the transcendence of transcendence. 
The ultimate goal is to come back because imminence and transcendence are not necessarily antithetical. So there is a level where it could be so. And that's why we need to compartmentalize. But the ultimate goal is total fusion and total union. And that's why we need to go all the way to the sixth level to recognize that. It's not just about getting beyond your consciousness and beyond yourself. It's bringing that higher superconsciousness, that higher surrender, that higher commitment and humility and suspension of self into the self, that the self experiences it. Which ultimately is why Chachma, consciousness, is the key bridge here. Because the mind, we have to understand, is not a mind just to understand things. The mind is in order to experience a higher reality. We were given a gift. The mind can transcend our subjective interests, which is the emotions. Emotions means, what's in it for me? What do I like, what do I not like? doesn't necessarily mean negative, but it's subjective. The mind, the healthy mind, is objective. But the healthy mind allows you to dream, to imagine, to travel to places that are beyond your self-interest. That, in turn, opens up the door to Kesser, to the transcendent and to the imminent, to the, 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 the transcendent, I should say, and the superconscious, and allows you to enter and realize that the mind is really a bridge, a platform, if you wish, a, an interface to experience something greater than yourself. But sometimes I'm understanding it, so that's a little more the consciousness. Sometimes I'm experiencing the higher reality. Like when you finish studying something really profound that changed you, that resonates, the resonance is beyond understanding. Understanding is the mathematical, so to speak, the mechanics of it. And it can be very complex. But then there's the magic of it. Scientists sometimes talk about it. The smile that comes to you where you just are completely blown away by the eloquence, by the poetry, by the music of the cosmos. And that's more than just an um, a intellectual experience. That's an emotional experience, but really it's a transcendent experience. So you really want to bridge the two. You want to have the inexpressible expressed. You want to have the undefined defined. You want to see the supernatural in the natural. In other words, our structures, our conscious structures, you want them to experience superconsciousness. Not just escaping into superconscious, but drawing it back down. And hence the six steps that are meant to do that. And each of us has to define it in our own particular way. And for that, it's good to have a mentor, someone you can speak to. Feel free to reach out to us. This has been Simon Jacobson from the Meaningful Life Center. We're happy to help you further develop this if you'd like in your personal life. Just let us know how to, just reach out to us at MeaningfulLife.com and tell us what your questions are. Maybe we'll contact you if you'd like us to do so. And I'd love to hear your feedback and your thoughts to this entire, this, uh, this entire series of uh, how consciousness is born. Six steps from the quantum superconscious to the conscious. Everyone be blessed and check it out. And please share with others, especially on our YouTube channel, which has been growing and expanding quite uh, impressively. And stay in touch, be blessed, and may you be blessed to be able to bridge the deepest resources, your deepest potential, unlock it, unleash it, and let it permeate and elevate your entire conscious and defined and detailed life. And the concluding note simply means that even when you eat a meal, when you're doing some mundane activity, you can have the superconscious informing it when you're doing it with the intention that something is greater than yourself. And with that, I'll also add 
that when you include the moda ani every morning, where you say, thank you for returning my soul to me, be soul conscious instead of body conscious. Soul consciousness leads you to the superconscious. But as I said, we'd be happy to develop this further if you'd like a more personalized version of it. Again, be blessed and be well. Thank you so much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.